Welcome back to the Ramble Room. We're here again with uh, Mark Jones. Hi, Mark. Hello, Ken. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Diane's here. David Iverson's here. Hi, Ken. Are you comfy? I'm very comfy. I like the couch. Thank you. Thank you. I found it. <laughs> found it beside this dead wino. Oh, okay. Dead wino or rhino? Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? Anyway. Um, that was Charlie Cole. Welcome back, Charlie. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you. We're going to talk a little bit about elections this afternoon. So Charlie informs me that he's got a rather long prologue, so buckle your seatbelt, lean back, get comfortable, pop open a beer. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, I do apologize for that, but there's some things that I think we need to um, to go into in some depth because... You won't hear it on Fox News. You won't even hear it on Newsmax. The lawyers have been telling them, oh, be careful. Well, speaking of elections, um, I think, just to start this out, I'm starting to get the feeling that 2022, both nationwide and for us in Wyoming, just may end up being a Whig moment. And I know you guys are history buffs, and you know all about the Whig Party and why the Republicans had to replace them. Uh, they were the original do-the-talk-but-not-the-walk folks, and uh, Abraham Lincoln and those folks couldn't put up with that anymore. So I hope we don't hit that that mark this year, but we're we're running out of time, I think, on elections and on a lot of other things. Let me start by by saying that for those of you who read the May edition of the Wyoming Conservative Chronicle, uh, I put an article in there about elections, and I called it Freedom's Last Line of Defense. For those of you who don't get the Wyoming Conservative Chronicle, shame on you. Uh, you, should, you should definitely subscribe to that because you ought to probably by now be a little tired of what our friend David calls the uh, the, the cow pie, or the other one, my favorite, boo in my background, is Pravda on the Plat. Um, I think we've all had about enough of that stuff, and Wyoming Conservative Chronicle is one way that you can get maybe a little more accurate version of the truth. I started out the article, for those of you who didn't read it, with a couple of quotes. One of them was from Nicaraguan dictator Anastasio Somoza in 1977. Quote, Indeed, you won the election, but I won the count. Sound familiar? <laughs> in 1923, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin told one of his underlings concerning a then-pending vote in the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union the following, quote, I consider it completely unimportant who in the party will vote or how they will vote, but it is extremely, extraordinarily important is this. Who will count the vote, and how will that be done? Well, I uh, I took some time back in uh, November, December of 2020, after this fiasco happened. I spent literally dozens of hours on my laptop, listening and watching on on, uh, on uh, YouTube the uh, hearings, the election hearings that were done in uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania. Michigan and Arizona, a couple of them from Wisconsin. And I watched as literally hundreds of election workers and other people that had direct 
uh, eyeball, eye on the target uh, testimony to give. I watched them swear under oath, under penalty of perjury, about some of the machinations that they saw. And at that time, I became pretty well convinced that, uh-oh, this in fact is why we saw 600, 600 Democrat lawyers fanning out across especially the, the uh, swing states in 2019 and early 2020. Our lawyers, I guess, the RNC and the Trump campaign were too busy playing golf or riding around on Air Force One. I don't know why, but uh, they got away with this stuff. They got away with doing it in the state legislatures. Pennsylvania was the most egregious example because there the state legislature wrote a bill on election law that violated the Constitution of the state of Pennsylvania and the hard left Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said no problem. Well, I'm afraid we've got a huge problem. And now, only now, are we finding out all the gritty little details. I traced in my article a little bit about how long the Democrat Party has been involved in this. Uh, in modern day parlance, it goes back to 1948 when landslide Lyndon Johnson uh, cheated uh, his way into the uh, state Senate. It was the Democrat primary, and in those days, if you won the Democrat primary, you, you're, you're a shoe-in. And uh, they used a little trick, and what it was was uh, in one county, Duval County, they uh, all of a sudden, I think the, the, the vote itself came, it was a razor-thin election. It was only like 185 votes statewide separating these two people. And then all of a sudden, Duval County, wait, we found a ballot box. Oh, well, let's count those. And they counted them up, and I think there was 210 ballots in there, and all of them had been, they were all appeared in the box in alphabetical order. They were all filled out with the same colored ink pen, and I think 204 of them were for Lyndon Johnson. Hmm. And he squeaked by, yay! They took it to the courts, by the way, and got the same result that, that we got in Pennsylvania from our effort. Um, by the way, just as an aside, real quick aside, Liz Cheney, Dizzy Lizzie, came up real quick uh, after the election, and she started posting all of these judicial uh, decisions that all of them debunked everything the Trump lawyers were saying and blah, blah. What she failed to tell you in that was that, first of all, <laughs> all of the cases that she cited, not one of them, not one, had an evidentiary hearing on the merits of the case. Not one. They were all decided on procedural matters. My favorite was lat estoppel by latches. Now, that's a fancy legal term, and it only means you snooze, you lose. Put it in too late. There was one judge. Her name, I believe, was Patricia McCullough. She's an appellate judge in Pennsylvania, and she ruled uh, that, yes, it looks like the Trump campaign has some very good points on the merit of this case. I think they might even prefer, and she ordered an evidentiary hearing. The next morning, the Democrat lawyers ran to the Democrat-controlled state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, who, surprise, surprise, wait for it, overturned the ruling. So there were exactly zero evidentiary hearings on what these people were claiming. Well, in my article, and again, I won't bore you with all this stuff, I went through a number of other elections. The, the Democrats have been going at this for 
for a long, long time, uh, and their their track record of it is is just astounding. What they've actually been able to to get away with. Um, what I said in that article also, and I will not back away from it. I said I don't I don't blame the Democrat politicians or their operatives one bit for this. Any more than I would blame wolves for tracking down sheep and killing them. That's who they are, and that's what they do, and that's what they're going to do. And there are, we already see signs of it, early signs, this year. But let me just, uh, let me say what the Democrats, in proof of this, look what they're trying to do. You'll hear them bray on about H.R. 1 and S. 1 in the, in, the, in the Congress. These are the voting rights bills that they're trying to jam through, and thanks only to two Democrat senators that won't get rid of the filibuster, that they haven't been able to do it yet. But uh, Attorney Hans von Spakovsky, uh, in March 2020, he's an election attorney, he outlined the salient features of this thing. What they want to do is to federalize, mandate this in every state of the union, several points. First, eviscerate state voter ID laws that require a voter to, authentic, uh, to authenticate his or her identity. Photo ID laws. Get rid of it. Second, force states to allow anyone to vote who simply signs a form saying they are who they claim to be. Third, it would destroy the security of absentee ballots by banning any ID requirement for such ballots and states' enforcement of any witness signature or notarization requirement. Out. They would overturn state laws which, ran, which ban ballot harvesting. Keep that term in mind for a minute. We're going to come back to it. And they would require states to give access to absentee ballots to third-party strangers who may have a stake in the outcome of the election, just as we're going to show what happened here in 2020. And they would ask, they would require states to automatically register individuals, any individual, not citizens, individuals who interact with state agencies such as the Department of Motor Vehicles, welfare offices, and other federal agencies. Uh, uh, they, they also want uh, they want to force online voting registration. Imagine what that would lead to. So when you take that in, in uh, perspective, just think about those points for a second. And it isn't that we don't know how crooked and dangerous these practices are. Back at, way back in 2005, 2005, there was a bipartisan Carter-Baker Commission on Federal Election Reform. And they found they had 87 total recommendations 17 years ago. And uh, here's, here, here are my favorite seven. One, increase, increase voter ID requirements. Not ban, increase. Two, be leery of mail-in and absentee voting because it risks uh, uh, cheating and halt ballot harvesting wherever it may exist. Third, avoid duplicate registration across state lines. Maintain voter lists. Just saw a report the other day. Uh, they found in Michigan, voter uh, roll research showed that there are still 26,000 corpses registered to vote in the state of, Mich of Michigan. Um, and then it says that reminds me of a question. Yeah. Question is asked to the coroner. 
when someone dies, is it you that determines how they vote, or is that the county clerk? <laughs> yeah. Well, we've actually, there, there have been some photo evidence of, of folks late at night going through the cemetery, uh, writing down names off of gravestones. Well, do you know why the, the cemetery is locked in Buffalo, Wyoming? <laughs> it's to keep the Democrats from voting. <laughs> okay, I want to get into some real uh, stuff that you're not going to hear in the media at all because they're squelching it. Um, there's a program, if you haven't watched it yet, let me just urgently, urgently request that you watch it. It was made, uh, it was produced by Dinesh D'Souza uh, with, based on a study, an in-depth study made by a great organization called True the Vote. It's called 2,000 Mules. If you haven't watched it, please do so. I'm going to give you the, the guts of it. First, we're going to look at what they did, and then we'll get later how they funded it. From 2,000 Mules... Uh, I mean, this this is evidence that is just irrefutable. So hold on just a second, Charlie. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you. Mm -hmm. um, but I went and watched a, a screening of that in Buffalo, mm -hmm. and I think it's clear that when we talk about evidence, mm -hmm. they were clear about what that is. Mm -hmm. In that movie, they had 4,000 minutes of video surveillance. Yeah. I'm going to uh, get to all that. All right. I've so, got it all documented. Excellent. Got it all. All right. Now, remember, this is in the context of what uh, Chuck Schumer has said publicly on the Senate floor. Quote, there's been no evidence of any significant or widespread voter fraud. Well, the True the Vote founder, the gal that you saw on the 2000 Mules, uh, she offered a good rejoinder to that. She said, quote, you don't need a whole lot of fraud. You just need a little in the right places over time. This is exactly what they did. Now, 2000 Mules uses the state-of-art technology, uh, geo-tracking, to prove that the 2020 presidential election was stained, if not fully stolen. Uh, and yet they used the lowest tech means to do it, stuffed ballot boxes. True the Vote researchers, uh, Engelbrecht and uh, Greg Phillips, analyzed, ready for this, 10 trillion Cell phone, uh, cell phone geo-tracking signals captured during the closing weeks of 2020 the campaign. The researchers focused uh, primarily on the commercially marketed pings from mobile phones whose owners interacted with ballot drop boxes in five swing states. Democrats demanded the broad deployment of these boxes during the COVID-19 pandemic due to the, quote, dangers of voting in person. These digital sleuths, true the vote, then narrowed their search to people who approached 10 or more drop boxes and contemporaneously visited five or more pro-Biden nonprofits. More about that a little later, too. They then requested and acquired 4 million minutes of recordings of these drop boxes by government security cameras. It would take seven years and eight months to watch all the images at normal speed. Um, on this 2,000 mules, the investigation's results are staggering. Cameras capture one mule after another after another, traveling from box to box to deposit successive fists of full of ballots. One mule in Atlanta slid ballots into 28 different collection bins. 
Most mules left just a few ballots in each box over several weeks, leaving eyebrows unraised. But in Gwinnett County, Georgia, 271 people visited one box on October 12, 2020. That day, 1,962 ballots were inserted, 10 times the normal daily number. These mules were not, by the way, just overzealous political operatives. Corrupt activist groups, we'll get to them in a minute, reportedly paid them per ballot delivered, which is universally illegal. The mules' identities that were captured on the, on the videos reveal that many have criminal records. Now, uh, so the question always has been, so was there enough fraud to change the outcome? A mere <clears throat> 42,844 votes sprinkled across three swing states clinched the White House. True the Vote discovered that in the five states they looked at, some 2,000 mules averaged 38 <clears throat> drop box visits in the weeks before Election Day and estimates that 380,000 fraudulent ballots resulted. Coming from heavily Democrat areas... And we'll show you in a minute how that happened. The, these almost certainly were overwhelmingly pro-Biden ballots. Remember the Lyndon Johnson box in Duval County? In Arizona, 200 mules typically approached 20 boxes each. Disqualifying these 20,000 or so unlawful ballots would evaporate Biden's 10,400 vote margin. Trump went in Arizona. In Georgia... 250 mules dropped at 24 boxes and inserted five ballots per encounter. Rejecting just those 30,000 illegal votes would eliminate Biden's victory margin of 11,700. In Pennsylvania, this is staggering, 1,100 mules in Philadelphia alone encountered 50 boxes. Vacating these 275,000 illegitimate votes would eradicate Biden's 80,500 vote victory. Undoing this evil would have removed these three states from the Biden column. The Electoral College count then would have shifted to 259 for Biden, 279 for Trump, and today we wouldn't have an open border. We wouldn't have gasoline six, six bucks a gallon. We wouldn't have crime waves out of control in some of these places. Um, one guy watched it and he said, this was an organized effort to subvert a free and fair election. Uh, that was Phillips from To The Vote. And he said, this is organized crime. By the way, last word on 2,000 mules. Anybody, the left eventually, uh, initially they tried to say, well, geo-tracking, you know, that's kind of, that's not really that accurate. Hey, can we really rely on it? Well, in a uh, infamous, due to the outcome of the case, Supreme Court holding from 2018, Chief Justice John Roberts, not Clarence Thomas, not Sam Alito, no, no, John Roberts wrote in his official decision on the case, reflecting the majority opinion. Historical cell, cell site records give the government near-perfect surveillance and allow it to travel back in time to retrace a person's whereabouts. Each time the phone connects to a cell site, 
it generates a time-stamped record known as the Cell Site Location Information, CSLI. Modern cell phones generate increasingly vast amounts of increasingly precise CSLI. Mapping a cell phone's location provides an all-encompassing record of the holding, a holder's whereabouts. The government can access each carrier's, each carrier's deep repository of historical location information. A cell phone all, is almost a feature of human anatomy now. It tracks nearly every movement of its owner. Here's the punchline. When the government tracks the location of a cell phone, it achieves near-perfect surveillance, as if it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user, end quote. So much for their trying to debunk the technology. Now, let me link to this, another one, uh, which you won't see a lot about, because this one doesn't get any media coverage either. Uh, so we know what they did. We know where they did it. How did they pay for this? Well, enter that hated organization, Citizens United. You know, the one that Alan Simpson just detests. Well, uh, they put together a program, and um, it's called Rigged 2020. You can watch that online. You can get the DVD of it. I urge you to look at that as well. Because it shows in 2020, almost $400 million of Facebook Chief Executive Officer Mark Zuckerberg's charitable contributions were spent with most of the funds funneled to government election officials in Democrat-heavy big cities in the swing states where the Democrat operatives used the COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse for the private funding of government election offices with, with the hidden intent to drive up Democrat voter turnout, legal and illegal. Relying on the 990 forms, that's an IRS tax form that every one of them has to file from, uh, from, not, from nonprofit groups must file with the Internal Revenue Service. Rigged, that's... This organism, that's the title of this program, traces the river of cash flowing from the Chan Zuckerberg, Chan is his wife, initiative to a pair of 501c3 nonprofit organizations, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, CTCL, and the Center for Election Innovation and Research, CEIR. CTCL received $328 million in Zuck bucks, while CEIR was given $69 million. To put these figures in perspective, Zuckerberg spent nearly $400 million in 2020, while the Democrat National Committee spent a total of $461 million in the two years of the election cycle. He virtually doubled what they were able to spend on this election. Um, there were roughly 2,500 grants awarded by CTCL across the country. They have claimed that more Trump jurisdictions received grants than did Biden jurisdictions. <laughs> yes, but records indicate that this statistically is enormously misleading because of the approximately 160 grants of $400,000 or more, totaling some $270 million dollars, an incredible 92% of those funds went to Biden-friendly jurisdictions. Um, 
the the main point here is that when they filed their tax forms they were all indicating we're doing this to protect voters against covid when they vote and yet not one dime was spent on ppe masks or any other covid type of activity it was all spent this way um, even npr hardly one of our friends showed that a tiny fraction of this money was spent on ppe fraction instead the funds were used to increase wait for it mail-in voting and wait for it drop boxes to hire and train poll workers to expand voter registration efforts and to encourage people to vote early and by mail an enormous get out of the vote get out the vote campaign in key democrat areas so now we went through those states before how did they fund it um the film focuses on the three battle states, battleground states in particular, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia, where Biden's combined margin of victory was roughly 42,000 votes. Those three states were the difference in handing this election over to the bad guys. Wisconsin, CTCL's January 2022 tax filing shows grants of $860,000 to Kenosha, 1.2 million to both Green Bay and Madison, 1.7 million to Racine, and 3.4 million to Milwaukee. These five predominantly Democratic cities received approximately $8.5 million of the $10 million that flowed into Wisconsin. Arizona. CTCL's tax filing shows how $5.1 million of Zuckerberg's money was spent in Arizona. Four difference-making counties, uh, Maricopa, FEMA, Apache, and Concino received nearly 76% of the grants, and all were carried by Joe Biden. Improbably, I would say impossibly, Biden exceeded Clinton's 2016 vote totals in the funded counties by an incredible 700,000 votes. Georgia CTCL and CEIR sent a combined total of $50 million to Georgia, a whopping 94% of the CTCL funds in the state went to jurisdictions carried by Biden. Additionally, there was a consent decree signed off by the wonderful Georgia Secretary of State, Rhino Raffensperger, it undercut the process for matching signatures on absentee ballots and restricted ability to challenge contested balances in that wonderful. Well, those are basically two programs that I wanted to submit as uh, exhibits A and B for the prosecution in this case. I want to say to you that between looking at those state legislative hearings, again, hours of them, Vera said, aren't you ever going to stop that? I said, no, no, I need to know this. <coughs> Combine that with then what 2,000 mules perfectly showed. And then to link rigged from, uh, from the other organization, Citizens United, with that, we now know what they did, we know how they did it, we know where they did it, and we know who funded it. Now the question is, what y'all going to do about it? Fortunately, uh, a lot of the red state legislatures, I'll give them credit, have since that time put some really good, tough, meaningful regulations in place. Unfortunately, three of those 
have been vetoed by Democrat governors. I wonder why. And you heard all the falder off from Georgia. You can't pass these. Vote that why they're racist. 72% of blacks answering poll questions about ID support ID, photo ID. So what are we really talking about? The good news is that there is a, I'll send you this link if I haven't sent it over to you guys before. Uh, there's an organization, Epic TV, just did a, a long interview with uh, these two that you saw on the 2000 Mules. And uh, this guy put it up in a, uh, in a uh, an abbreviated form, and it shows an interview just the other day from Arizona. The Arizona State Senate granted a hearing to the 2000 Mules people because they need direct evidence because now in two of the counties, Maricopa and I think Numa area, the sheriffs have gotten involved in it. You're going to see the good news is, the better news is, you're going to see, I think, indictments coming out of this stuff. And until and unless the Republican governor, uh, the Republican state legislatures get serious about this stuff, they're going to do it again and again and again. There's an old saying in professional football, run the ball till they stop you from doing it. And that's what you have here. You got the wolves looking for some more sheep now. Last thing I'm going to say is, as far as Wyoming, good grief. I think our good friend David calls them redcoats. Uh, Diane came up with a good term, daisies, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, I'll just be honest about it, I call them termites. Because I remember I had a fence one time in a property I was selling, the guy came back with a piece of the fence, and he said, well, look, I think I need a new fence. That's why. It looked fine. Except on the inside, there was nothing left. The termites had eaten out the fence from the inside out. Now, I'm afraid that's kind of a description of some of these redcoats you're talking about. What I was especially disgusted to see is that when the, <laughs> when the filings all ended, finally, uh, in a GOP primary for the House seat, eight candidates. For the governor's seat, seven candidates. But no, 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 don't, don't, don't go to what most states do and require 50% or more. to. And don't do that. No, no, find 15 funding reasons why you can't touch that and let this happen. And unless we get serious about this, nationally and here in Wyoming, there is no reason to allow this crossover registration nonsense anymore. There is absolutely no reason not to force a, a runoff at the 50%. Pays for it? We'll find people to pay for it. Don't worry about that. But you cannot let this continue to happen when somebody, I won't mention his name, ended up four years ago, he got 30% of the primary vote. 33 and won, now. And he won <laughs> the primary with 30%. Really? I still say, I think Brian Miller, our local chairman, is right. He says it is long past due for the Republican Party to insist on passing legislation that gets the control of the primaries back underneath the parties and away from the state of Wyoming. Well, my throat's sore. I took up too much of your time. But hopefully you can see from that. My last word is, promise, if you lose your elections in a constitutional republic, and if you lose the judiciary, which I think the Sussman trial has proven we're on verge doing that, what's left? What's the course of remedy? Prosecution rests. Well, if you haven't watched 2,000 Mules, 
even if you're even if you're skeptical about what happened with the 2020 election, even if you're even if you're a Democrat, if you're at least fair-minded about things, and you can look at you know the definition of intelligence is being able to look at two conflicting things or to hold two conflicting ideas in your head at the same time and consider both of them. There is no possible way that you can leave watch after watching that movie and not say, well, it's at least possible that this happened. Because like 2,000 Mules makes a very, I mean, in my opinion, um, I have no doubt what, what happened in the 2020 election. But at the very least, we can be charitable and say, you should leave leave that movie and think, wow, it is most definitely possible that that happened. And the fact that we, as you said, Charlie, rightfully so, that, that we can't seem to get meaningful election reform passed in Wyoming is, is a tragedy. You know, the, we have people that are elected, elected officials right now who they have no clue what a 50% plus one vote victory looks like. They probably even, could, even couldn't even consider it because they've never been anywhere close to it. And yet, here they are winning an election. Um, you know, and a friend of ours, Representative Jennings, says all the time, the only thing better than owning one party is owning two. And that's exactly the case of what we have in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. What, what needs to happen is the leadership in Cheyenne has to change. We're running probably, I think I heard the number of 46 good candidates across the state, myself included. We can change this. But you're going to have to get up and get out and do the work and vote. And, Ken, I'm glad you said that because I'm a real practical guy, and I hear all these talk, all this talk about the election being stolen and the fact that we don't have a runoff in Wyoming and all these other things. And the only way to change that is to change the butts in the seats. And we've got a primary on the 16th of August. And, you know, it's important to point out there were conservatives in the Wyoming legislature that tried to – to run an election reform bill, and it was killed. So if we're dissatisfied, if we think there's been there's a need for that, then we've got to change the butts and the seats, and we've got to put new leadership in. Well, you and guys follow the, excuse me, you guys follow this a lot more carefully than I do, and you've been here a lot longer than I have. Uh, I admit, I, I'm not even familiar enough with the Wyoming judicial system to know exactly how these judicial positions are arrived at what we could do about it and how we find out more about judicial candidates. I think now that we, as far as the legislature, we have wild leg. There is no excuse for anybody that knows how to use the Internet, which is, what, 98% of our people now, to not get on the wild leg. you got two candidates here. One of them's an incumbent. Look at how he, he's got an R after his name. How did he vote on election reform? How did he vote on CRT? How did he vote on this, yeah. this, this? We know if they say one thing, they talk the talk. Have they walked the walk? If not, get them out. Well, an important thing is we got to we've got to do that between now and the 16th of August. Right. Yeah. People have got a little over two months to figure out who the good guys and the bad guys are, the good gals and the bad gals, and vote. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't change the leadership, we're going to have the same conversation next year or the year after, complaining about the same things. There are three different that I know of three different reliable ratings websites. Um, Wild Rhino's one, and another one is uh, run by a friend of mine, Doug Gerard, evidence-based Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And you can put all kinds of information in there, get anything you want to know. 
Tell us a little bit about the third one, David. Well, the other one is called Wyo Vote, and I. When they, excuse what, me, you had all three of these up on one of your pro- yeah. podcasts, right? Um, and they all tell you they all tell you something different. Mm-hmm. But first, let me describe what YOVOTE does, and then then we'll talk about the other three. Uh, but what the folks and who knows who runs YOVOTE, but what they did is they took every single roll call vote, and it was rated whether it was conservative or liberal, every single vote. And, you know, the, the principles or the guidelines, they're posted on their website. This is how we determine what is liberal and what is conservative. And the, the conservative um, criteria are pretty close to the Republican Party platform. I mean, there's some, uh, some small differences, but it's pretty close. And then the liberal criteria, well, that's almost the mirror opposite of what the platform is. So each roll call vote was graded whether or not it was conservative or liberal. So that does a couple of things for you. First, it eliminates this whole question of, well, you know, I'm in the Senate. This other person's in the House. How can you compare my voting with their voting? Well, it's each vote. So essentially, the legislators are rating themselves. And so in the end, you get a score, whether your voting record is conservative or liberal. And so it's, in my opinion, it's it's the method that's all-inclusive as opposed to the others. Um, evidence-based Wyoming, which I like a lot, you can allows you to do a lot of different querying, but their methodology is different. Okay, So Doug Girard takes how often you side with the Republicans versus how often you side with the Democrats. And that, you know, that has value in that it shows you are you siding with the Republican majority or the Democrat majority, and you're able to determine you know, on which issues you're likely to, to side with the Democrats or, or the other side. Um, the, where I, I think one of the weaknesses with that one, though, is there are so many liberal Republicans that it kind of gives you a false positive in a lot of different cases. The other, the other weakness, I think, is that there are so many votes that n- hardly anybody is going to disagree with. You know, for example, one vote might be um, well, let's. Should we fund the prison or not? Okay. Well, we have to have a prison, and yeah, we probably got to fund it. Okay. Nobody's going to disagree with that, so everybody ends up siding with either the Republicans or the Democrats. So the result of that is when you look at the numbers, you might like my representative Barry Crago in House District Forty. He sides with the Democrats seventy-four percent of the time, but if you look in the Republican column, it'll show you well fifty-four percent. Well, that fifty-four percent—that's the votes that um, uh, nobody's going to disagree with. But why a vote flushes him out? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, he ends up in the middle of the pack on why a vote. So I think he's. Oh, I, actually, I think he's right close to dead center mm-hmm. of everything. Um, now the third outfit, why a rhino? Um, they the, again, it's a different me- methodology. Um, they took 10 bills, and they rated them either conservative or liberal, and how did you vote on those 10 bills? And their, their argument on the website, and again, this is a group that who knows who they are, but their argument on the website says, well, you know, we, we started out with 100 bills, and we realized the results are the same. Well, that's, and they're probably right about that, but there's, there's the perception problem that you have only 10 bills that you're rating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so in my mind, that one's kind of cherry picking. But the I think that all three of them 
provide useful information. I think you have to look at all three of them if you want a good, well-rounded picture of of your your elected representative. And you know, there are three easy tools to use. And there's, as you said, Charlie, there's absolutely no no reason why um, anybody can't go look at them. I, and, but I'd like to go back to one thing that you mentioned that. 2,000 Mules basically shows that we had ballot stuffing. And in my own research on my own show, Cowboy State Politics, I've uncovered a fraudulent, or maybe not fraudulent, but some election irregularities in the great state of Wyoming. No. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sick to death of hearing that our elections are the most secure. So listen to Cowboy State Politics, and I'm going to tell you, about a perfect instance of election unintegrity or lack of integrity. And the very situations that I'm going to talk about on the program are the very same questions that we have with the 2020 election. But like I say, I'm very, I'm sick to death of hearing people say, you know, this was the most secure election in the history of the country. And that's just flat a lie. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff that, the, that you'll hear that, is really just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, again, language being my former profession back in my slave days, working days. Uh, I've already alluded to it. I, it's kind of half tongue in cheek, but I really wish the Republican Party would get away from this state central committee. For God's sake, call it something else. Central committee? No, that's, that's Khrushchev and Brezhnev to me. The, the other thing is, and I notice we all we all do this. We tend to talk about conservatives and wait for it, liberals. There is nothing liberal about these people. Nothing. Their behavior is as illiberal as you're going to find. So I still say let's come up with I have come up with a term, you can use it or not, collectivists. Because that's what they are. They're the collective is more important than the individual. If you boil it down to a lot of the stuff that they try to do, that's exactly what it is. We know better than you. You sit down, Rube, and you listen to us, and you do what we tell you. So I'm still me, kind of fond of daisies. I like Daisy too. That was a good one. Red what, coats. Why well, not just communists? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's been, that name's been around for a long time. That's basically oh, what. Oh, I'll tell you why. That's basically what the modern Democrat Party has become. I'll tell you why. Because collectivist includes communists. But communists, for example, doesn't include, for example, Nazis. There's a great mistake we've made forever. We, we have this silly spectrum we call left and right. And, they, and the, the notion that they've ingrained in our kids' minds is on the far left you have communists and on the far right you have Nazis. <laughs> no, you have two sides of the same coin there. Because there's not a nickel's worth of difference between what the Nazis did and what, well, the methodology was different, but the goals and the way they did a lot of it is exactly the same. That's why I use collectives, because it fits them all, including well, today's Venezuela. I agree with you, Charlie. It's, it's a continuum. You know, on a, yeah. on a program that I did not that long ago, I, I likened it to a pendulum. Mm -hmm. As, you know, we, have, we tend to think of it of our political our political world in terms of, uh, in, in linear thinking. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's either left or right. Well, the truth is it's not at all. It's a pendulum. And if you've ever played with one, if you push too hard on one side of it, what happens to the little ball? Well, it goes all the way around to the other side. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, the more I think about it, 
I think we need to look at the results of people's actions. If the results of your actions serve the left, and they serve the emperor, then you are, by definition, of the left. A whatever. Or a whatever, whatever right? A collectivist, a communist, or yeah. whatever. But yeah. we have to look at the results of the decisions that people make. And especially the official votes that they cast on our behalf. They're voting. We're voting through them. Oh, yeah. Every time they push that button, they're doing it on our behalf. We're authorizing them to do that. How can we possibly not become more active in this thing? I want to, before we wrap up, too, I want to make, I want to make two recommendations as far as readings. I mentioned these in my article, but anybody may not have seen it. There are two outstanding books on elections, election integrity, et cetera. One is called, appropriately, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and Democrats Seized Our Elections by investigative uh, journalist Molly Hemingway. Great book. The other one is written by John Fund and this attorney, uh, election attorney, Hans von Spakowski, and it's called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. I heartily recommend those two books especially to school teachers <laughs> get read them and pass along the information to the next people because i'll tell you you, the, you can track what they've done not just in this election like i said they've been doing this for a long time um one of the quotes that they mentioned in this book is you remember al franken oh, Minnesota? Boy. Uh, he's one that, that swiped the senate election from then senator coleman and he was quoted in one of these books as saying, well, an election doesn't end uh, on election night. It ends when the lawyers stop counting the votes. Oh, this is Lyndon Johnson all over again. And you can high tech it all you want. The other point on, 20, on 2,000 mules, those, those quote unquote ballots that they were stuffing into those, notice where they got them. They, tra they trace these people's movements, by the way. They could have included a lot more examples, but they conservatively, not politically, but relatively speaking, they limited it to, to absolutely those who were traveling between those Zuckerberg-funded organizations and dropping off those ballots. That's where they got those ballots. How many of them were signed? How many of them were real? How many of them were bogus? They were all illegal because these people were paid to do that. All well, of them. One thing that shocked me in that program was when they, when they ran the same play but lowered the threshold because they started with 10, what was it, uh, 10 drop boxes? Mm -hmm. And when they lowered it to five, I mean, that's where you get the millions and millions of votes. And, you know, if... Quote-unquote votes. Quote-unquote votes, right. So, I mean, if that, if that movie is only half right, you know, we'll be we'll be generous to our to our more leftist friends. If it's only half right, it's it's a shock shockingly terrifying event in our uh, in our elections. Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is, we got to change the butts in the seats in August to start the process of reclaiming our fair elections. Yeah. Why oh vote? Why oh vote? Yeah, right? you mentioned those three tools. I want to throw one more out there that we're building. At Cross Creek Media, there is a candidate information page. We're putting up vetted conservatives on there with links to their websites, with links to interviews done by David Iverson on his show and by us here at this show. And we'll continually build and update that. 
So if you don't want to do the research, just let us tell you how to do it. Well, the key word is vetted, right? Yes. Vetted. vetted. Excellent. There you go. Good. All right. You know, it doesn't take years of experience pouring over spreadsheets of other people's money to figure out that Wyoming doesn't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem, and that's our money. Additionally, all of that experience is meaningless if your representative doesn't have a genuine conservative perspective and a backbone. I'm Ken Pendergraft. I'm a combat veteran because I chose to be. Married 40 years because I choose to be, and promises are meant to be kept. I'm a preacher because I'm called to be, and I'm a conservative Republican because I value those ideals that made this country great. This message is paid for by the committee to elect Ken Pendergraft to House District 29. I am Ken Pendergraft, and I'm asking for your vote on August 16. I approve this message, and you should too.